0: This is Michael Merrickle, producer of the I Work For Him radio program. Thanks for listening to the I Work For Him podcast. You can catch the show live weekdays from 3 o'clock until 4, locally in Tampa Bay on AM 570 and 910 WTBN and online at letstalkfaith.com and iheartradio.com. And swing by our website for all things I Work For Him at iworkforhim.com. That's iwork4him.com. And now, today's podcast broadcast. You've tuned into the fastest one hour in Christian talk radio. Hey, thanks. Thanks for tuning in to iWork for Him this afternoon as we are live here in Tampa Bay on AM 570 and 910 and FM 102.1 but online at letstalkfaith.com and iHeartRadio. However you're hearing the show today, just know we prayed for you. We want to make sure that the content each and every day that we have on iWork for Him is touching you and helping you to connect what you hear on Sunday with what you do in your quote-unquote 9 to 5. And kind of a little aside before we go into the show today, you know, Martha and I got a chance Friday after the show to go out and see Same Kind of Different as Me. And I got to tell you, if you get a chance to see that in theaters, go out and see it. What a fantastic movie. What a great lesson. What a great story. A real story. True story. And if not, make sure you see it when it comes out on DVD. Same Kind of Different as Me. Just there you go. Free plug. Danya. telling you, when you go to see a movie and you loved it, you got to do that kind of stuff. All right, listen. Most of us go into work on Monday, considering changing jobs. I mean, Mondays are—you know—they're just Mondays. You know, we're tired of the same old, same old, and we don't see a purpose in what we do. We get—we we don't see a tie-in between our faith and our jobs, among other significant things. We just—we uh, just think that a change will be better. Now, keep in mind, the grass always looks greener on the other side of the fence. Why? Because you haven't gone in to look to see why it's greener. Most of the time, it's greener because there's a leaky septic tank over there. But if you're going to change jobs, there's five things you should be asking yourself before changing jobs. And Dr. Andrew Spence Spencer from Oklahoma Baptist University, he wrote this article that I read back in August. And I got him on the show today so we could talk about that article, Five Things You Should Ask Yourself Before Changing Jobs. Dr. Andrew Spence. Spencer, welcome to I Work For Him, Spence. Well, thank you, Jim, for having me on. Uh, it, you know, it's exciting to have a doctor on the air. No, I'm just kidding. We get a lot of people with doctors, but you actually wrote this article, and it was super practical, and I loved it, and I would love it because it was just so simple to understand, and you made it so that everybody reading it is going to go, hey, wow, pretty good points. So before we get into that, though, talk to me. Spence, as an administrator at Oklahoma Baptist University, what is Oklahoma Baptist University doing to prepare graduates to take their faith into action no matter what their job ends up doing being?
1: Yeah, that's a great question, Jim. So uh, we're a, a full uh, Christian liberal arts institution. We've got bachelors, we've got masters in a whole host of different different fields. So everything from our College of Theology, where you can get, you know, pre-pastoral studies and, and, and those sorts of majors, to nursing and business. Um, and so one of the major planks of, of Oklahoma Baptist University is to uh, help students learn how to integrate with faith with every area of knowledge. Uh, so we have, you know, strong evangelical Christian faculty uh, in our biology classrooms that are engaged in showing how God's wonder shows through the, the, the miracles in biology, and our nurses are showing our, our students how to love uh, patients. And, and demonstrate Christ to them. And our business faculty—I mean, we have, have this great social entrepreneurship major that's looking at how can I take my uh, my skills and my business acumen and use them uh, to leverage them for social good, uh, not just for the profit. The profit is necessary to keep running, but you know, those are the kinds of questions that we help the students to answer in their four years here. Uh, so it's not just a career; we're we're preparing them with a worldview and a, and a uh, for a lifestyle that honors Christ.
0: And that is exactly the kind of universities we'd love to talk to people from because that's what every one of us desires is to have that connection made, to help us connect what we hear on Sunday, no matter what we do in our quote unquote nine to five. All right. So you can be found on you do a lot of blogging. You can be found online at ethicsandculture.com, ethicsandculture.com. Spence, you wrote this article. I loved it. Five questions to ask yourself before changing jobs. Why did you write this? Were you thinking about changing jobs? Uh,
1: Well, uh, while I wrote that, I was actually in the process of changing jobs from Southeastern uh, Baptist Theological Seminary there in Wake Forest, North Carolina, out here to Oklahoma Baptist University. Um, so as I evaluated my, uh, my reasons to change positions, I had to go through the process of asking those questions uh, and, and figuring out, you know, am I going, you know, it was, a, it was a pay increase, am I going just for the money, or am I going because this is a better way to leverage the opportunities and the skills that God has given me uh, for the Kingdom.
0: So what did you come up with?
1: Well I I think this was the right uh right place at the right time uh I the uh, the people here are great and uh and while I miss my friends at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary I'm here and uh, and God's working through what we're doing. We're equipping students to go out into the workforce and out into the mission field and and all over the world, really, uh, to honor Christ. So so it, it, it's a good it's been a good position, uh, and I've been able to contribute to the to the overall success of the institution. I think.
0: How do you compare Shawnee, Oklahoma, though, to Wake Forest, North Carolina? There is quite a bit of difference there. Well, uh, that's one of the. Pieces that you
1: have to take into consideration when you when you make a move. I mean, um, when we uh, when we we have multiple vocations, right? I, I have a vocation as a father, a vocation as a husband, a vocation as a church member. I have a vocation as uh, you know what I get paid to do uh, as an administrator, and so I always have to ask. All those questions and balance those priorities as I make job job based decisions, um, so you know uh, one of the questions that you ask is and we 're not even there yet, but when i 'm asking about oh, how i 'm going to use my skills I guess that 's the first question i sure. 'm um, not just looking at you know is there a me sized hole. At the institution, I'm asking, is, is there a me, uh, is a family, like where's the Spencer family gonna fit in? Are there local churches that are, that are going to, uh, are, are, that are going to satisfy, uh, the needs of my family and that we're going to be able to minister effectively in? Uh, and so those are some of the questions we have to ask. Now, Shawnee is different, um, but, you know, we have a Chick-fil-A, so it's, it's good. <laughs>
0: Okay. All right, so let's step back for a second. Let's just hit the, hit the negative right away. What happens when somebody doesn't ask these questions before they change jobs?
1: Well, that's that's another very good question, Jim. So uh, when I went to the Naval Academy, one of the things that I saw was students, you know, midshipmen like me that were there, and the only reason they were there was to pay for college, right? right? They were always unhappy. I worked in commercial nuclear power. People that were there for the paycheck, but they hated their job and hated everything, you know, didn't they weren't good at their work. It was just uh, a grind all the time. They were always very unhappy uh, because they were there for the money, and so if that's the main reason why you make a choice, uh, it, it, it's not fulfilling. It's not satisfying. So if you don't ask some of these questions, you can find yourself either not fitting in with a culture, right, where, uh, you know, you, you just – your personality doesn't mesh with the company or the organization's ethos, or you can find yourself just wondering after uh, on Friday evening or Saturday, you know, why am I doing this? You know, this is hard work. Uh, I don't think it's worth it.
0: All right, so let's start with those questions before we get to the break. Let's start with the first one. Your first question is, how is this, quote-unquote, new opportunity a better use of my skills? Why is it important that we ask that question?
1: Well, it's important to ask that question because ultimately our responsibility is to steward the life that we have for the glory of God. Uh, and so God's given us a certain skill set each, you know, we've improved on it over time, but there's certain things that you're good at and certain things you aren't good at. And so what what that question is asking is, you know, are you serving other people more effectively by being in this place or the place that you're in? Uh, and so it's, it's just this careful crafting, um, because if... If just being unhappy, living someplace or or wanting to make more money is the reason that you're going to make a jump, uh, then you may find yourself in a position that just doesn't fit you right Part of the calling idea and the idea of faith and work is asking, how has God gifted me and and what what skills you know if you're very analytical, you don't want to go to a job that that is only manual labor, or if you're not analytical at all, then trying to do some data. Uh, work is going to be, it's just going to be horrible. Um, So part of this is asking, you know, are you a fit vocationally? Uh, And I think that's really a key question that often gets ignored. I
0: I love the way you put that. That was brilliantly put because each one of us is struggling with that. And, And our world has shoved everybody into college and college isn't for everybody. Some people do have manual skills and some people do have mental skills and sometimes they don't cross. And and to to think, well, I could do this or I can do that. It's so important that we actually consider those things. And I wanna ask you when we get back, how important is it to ask our friends these questions about us as we're considering changing these jobs? We're talking today about your article, Spence, that you wrote five questions to ask yourself before changing jobs. And as we talked about that first question, How is this new opportunity to a better use of my skills? Spence, my question for you is this. How important is it for us to involve those people around us that know us the best in asking these questions as well?
1: It's very important to involve people that know us well. Uh, You know, when I made the change to come out here uh, I had a group of friends that knew me, and, and I said, hey, here's what the position entails. Uh, it helped the, the guy that recruited me out here I had worked for previously. So he, he knew already and was able to say, this is what we need, and this is who you are, and it's a good fit. Um, but there, it's, it's very important because a lot of times I don't know what I don't know, even about myself. And so there are times that you know my wife, or even my coworkers, or previous coworkers, and friends from college have the ability to say, you know, Spence, that's not a great fit for you, or maybe that is a good fit, and you just don't see it.
0: All right. So let's talk about that next question because as we talk about that, how important it is to involve people in it. But let's talk about these questions because the first one was, how is this new opportunity a better use of my skills? But the second question you say is really important that we ask before changing jobs is this, are there unique ways I can impact the kingdom due to this new position? Now, that's not a question a lot of people ask. How did you come up with that? Well, I mean, p- part of this is uh, an understanding
1: that, uh, that Christian ministry and the life of, of service to God is much greater than uh, just being a pastor at a local church. Uh, And that's a noble calling, and it's a good calling, but the vast majority of Christians don't do that. And so we have to help people, and I had to help myself through the process of working in the Navy and then in commercial nuclear power, understand how is it that I am benefiting people. And what am I doing? So when I worked in commercial nuclear power, I was training the operators to run the plant so that we had reliable energy. Why is that good? Well, it it keeps the lights on at the hospitals. You know, somebody's dialysis is powered off of what I'm doing. All those things. When I'm working here uh, at at a parachurch, organization uh, that's connected to, to a denomination, but what I'm doing, right, I'm directly impacting the kingdom, but it's no more important than than the person that's, you know, a, a postal worker who's effectively del- delivering the mail. Um, so that's a piece of it, is is the actual vocational aspects, but it's even bigger than that, um, because there's so many opportunities to do uh, church planting and even global missions uh, now and take your skills and your career and leverage it in a place that may be closed to, uh, you know, traditional missions. Um, and so you have to ask those questions. It may be that you're going alongside another church planter uh, just to support him financially and spiritually and help provide some continuity in a seedbed and saying, hey, I'll relocate to this new city to work alongside, uh, you know, this person and help them really, you know, uh, be more effective in building the church.
0: You know, you mentioned earlier th- that we need to ask a question of culture. So many people, when they're applying for the job, they look at their skill set. They look at, you know, are they qualified, quote unquote, for the position? Yet today we all know that there are cultures and sometimes you might have the right skills, but you might not fit into the culture. How do we find out if we will fit into the culture of the new organization we're considering changing to? How do you find that out?
1: Well, Jim, that's actually one of the more difficult things to do, especially in the corporate world. Uh, I was thinking back to when I, I got my my first job after the Navy, uh, and, uh, you know, I had uh, an hour-and-a-half interview or something like that, uh, and then I met people uh, in the process of the interview, but I really didn't have an idea about it. So sometimes it's harder, uh, but you can often reach out to somebody else that maybe works in a different department. Uh, And we've got so many different rating sites out there that you can find out. Is it really dog-eat-dog? You know, does this institution have a reputation? Um, But that's also a question that if you're in the interview process, you need to ask your interviewer, the question, uh, what's it like here? You know, wh- how do you enforce deadlines? What happens if you don't meet a deadline? And, and maybe some of those questions that, you know, it doesn't say that, hey, I don't intend to meet the deadline, but but I want to know, is this someplace where everybody turns on you? Or is this a place where we ask, you know, why didn't that happen? And how can we help you succeed next time? Um, Would you, and so- wh-
0: I want to ask this question because it's a great point, but I want to ask this question. Would you recommend to people to volunteer to come spend a day shadowing people for free just to check out the culture before Um, they accept the job?
1: Well, that's an, I have, haven't thought about that before, Jim. I mean, in some circumstances, that may actually be a good a good idea, and it may be possible. Obviously, there's career fields where, due to the proprietary nature of information, that's not possible. Um, but you know, it it may be uh, may it may be beneficial.
0: Hmm. Uh, that's something i see a lot of small business people doing they kind of test drive people both for their benefit and for our benefit i know at the nuclear power plant you probably couldn't have done that but you know i i get that all right the last two questions you got to ask yourself before changing jobs from the article by spence spencer five questions to ask yourself before changing jobs uh, what relationships will i lose or damage when i move that's you know most people that's not a consideration well, it, it really should be. Um, when
1: we, we live in the social media age, and everybody thinks that, that we retain, you know, connection with people, and I have people on my Facebook friends list that are, you know, from high school, and I've got some sort of superficial connection with them, um, but for the most part, those relationships are, are, are functionally dead, right? It's interesting to see, you know, that how many kids they have and where they went on vacation and all that, um, but... You know, one of the hard things about moving any time you do it is that you you often do sever those relationships, because remote communication and distance relationships of any sort are very, very difficult. Um, So, you know, we we lost friends when we moved out here, not because anybody was mad, um, but just simply because distance is hard. And when you don't have the regular connection point at the local church, uh, you know, some of those... More than casual friendships that you've developed, uh, just they wouldn't, they can't be maintained. Now they'd be but, glad to see us, but you lose that support.
0: But why? Why is it important? I mean, we we understand we're going to lose them, but why is considering that with considering the kingdom in your job move? Why is it important to ask? Are we going to damage or lose relationships?
1: Well, it, it also varies depending on your work situation. Uh, when I left my job in commercial nuclear power. I had built a rapport with my coworkers, most of whom were not Christians, and had had, uh, you know, maybe incipient evangelistic conversations with all of them, uh, and some of them more developed ones. And so, you know, uh, those relationships didn't continue, and, and maybe I planted the seed that somebody else would water, and and so on and so forth. Um, but you know, then they have to reach out and find out what the, the next answer to their question is when you've got this kind of running dialogue and some questions being answered maybe about apologetics or, or the nature of the gospel.
0: Hi, right, we're talking today with Dr. Andrew Spencer about his article, Five Questions to Ask Yourself Before Changing Jobs. The last question that you say we need to ask is, does this change benefit me more than it profits the kingdom of God? That is the question of the hour. How do you... you, I mean, how do you know that? Well, uh, in the end, we won't know that
1: until eternity. Um, But really what that does is drive you down to a question of motivation, Um, and, and, you know, When Christ says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and and all this will be added to you, right? The point in that is that not that you don't need to eat or that if you just pray, it's just going to show up on the plate, right? The food is going to show up on the plate, but rather that your primary consideration should be, uh, how, how does this, uh, how does this exalt Christ? Whatever it is that I'm going to do. Now, we never know. ultimately what the answer is. We'll find out someday when we get to glory. Uh, but what we can do is begin to ask that question. And what it does is it forces us to ask the question, you know, is it my discomfort? Is it my desire for more money? Is it my uh, whatever, fill in the blank? Is it about me? Or is this fundamentally about how uh, how I'm able to leverage my life uh, to honor Christ, to build his kingdom, to see people come to Christ, to see, uh, see people healed, uh, what, whatever, uh, your particular skill set is, right? How is, it, is this for you or is it for them? Are you taking a promotion primarily because, uh, you like the title or is it really because you think you can manage well and that you, you can build into the life of your coworkers and encourage both Christian and non-Christian through, through, uh, uh, your vocation as a leader.
0: Wow, there's so much to consider, but I love this article, love those questions, Spence. Thank you so much for being on iWork for him today. Dr. Andrew Spencer from Oklahoma Baptist University, check him out online at ethicsandculture.com, ethicsandculture.com. Thank you, Spence. Thank you, Jim. All right, Phil, now now we're going to have a real conversation, and, and and I love that summary, because imagine Zebedee sitting on that boat that day, and, and you just, I love that. I mean, it's a great picture. So why did you, wh- I mean, you said after 30 some years in business, why did you then decide to write that book?
2: Well, I, I'd gone through my own personal you know, turmoil, if you will. You know, I'm an, I own, uh, and president of an engineering company, still am, uh, still got a full-time job. And, uh, you know, in the late 2000, 2008, 2009, 2010, we weren't having any fun. <laughs> no and and uh you know i woke up several times during that period of time where i was the guy left in the boat and and had people leaving i was laying people off i had the bank called my loan uh you know my business loan and i've just uh, had gone through that and and you know worked my way through it. But, it, you know, just the, the weight of that just really wore on me really heavy. And, and I found that period of time where, man, I could just turn to the Bible. I just got so much solace out of that that I could just lean on the gospel. And there's just so many answers in there and so much, so much forgiveness and grace. And, and I thought, you know, that's how that works. Uh, and, and, and you never really, you know, you read about it, and you hear about it, but until you really hit you in the forehead, uh, you just don't really appreciate it like I did then.
0: Mm. And many of us got hit in the forehead with a two by four or a two by six, or maybe green treated two by twelve. <laughs> during those years, that was probably more like it. But it, those were some rough years. There's no question, and it did it did bring us down to simple faith. Okay, Lord, we just need to make it tomorrow. As a business owner, those were some tough, tough years. Okay, so, but which which part of Zebedee's story resonated with you most, as you during that time, or even today, as you run your business? Hey. Oh boy, you know that's a, that's a tough
2: question. You know, I wrote I wrote um, the the chapter on the Sabbath first because I was struggling with that, and I was just out of I just had gotten my master's in theology, uh, and and uh, so I was really in tune with a lot of that. So I thought, you know, what what am I supposed to do being a Christian business owner? Because I was, you know, we're desperate for work, and if people wanted us to do something, we were going to do it, whether it in the middle of the night or on weekends or whatever, and. But I was having some guys work on weekends and stuff and, and so I was struggling with that as a as a Christian business owner, you know. I, I understand what other companies do and what their policies are, but I wanted to figure that out for myself. So that's kind of the first one I did. Um, I think accountability is the hot buzzword today. I mean everybody's talking about how do you be accountable and there's lots of new books out about being accountable, but you know, they're all so shallow. They all just barely they, they talk about you know, how to do a better job of communicating and keeping notes and project management and and things like that. But they never really – they never talk about accountability. Um, And so I see that. um, I just recently – went. Why do
0: you you think accountability is so important? Man, it it is everything today. You know, how can I just
2: turn a project over to my guys and know that it's going to get done? Uh, Or do I have to continue to go back there and look over their shoulder and do I have to meet with them all the time during the week? you know, it's just, do I feel like these guys are going to take care of what they're supposed to be doing? And, and, you know, I've got people coming in here that I just, I never get that sense. They just don't have that background or that training uh, already invested in them to to know how to be accountable. They just, oh, it's five o'clock, I'm going home, you know, and, and uh, yeah, the deadline was now, but, you know, i will worry about that tomorrow kind of attitude. And, and, uh, you know, it's just – it's missing, and and uh, people know about it. They talk about it a lot, but when they talk about training people to be accountable, you know, where do you get that? I, I, I've used – the in the book, I've I relied on uh, Ezekiel 34 where he talks about the watchman on the wall. And I use that in a lot of my project manager meetings about, you know, where you stand. You know, you're the project manager. You've got that responsibility, and people inside the company are looking to you to be – you know to get your job done and the client from the outside of the company is looking to you to get your job done and and you you know you're in the spotlight you got to perform you got to do it and some people get it and some people don't and uh, so and it's really important it really is and we rate that's a big part of our performance reviews
0: well let's just go back to the bible story that we're talking about we're talking about Zebedee who was the father of James and John. They had a fishing business, and they had business partners, Peter and Andrew. And we don't know if, if Peter and Andrew's father was involved or not, but we know that one day after I'm sure our relationship was already developed, Jesus came along and called up Peter and Andrew, James and John into the ministry, into the full-time pulpit ministry basically really i mean that's where long term yeah. that's where yeah. it ended up being uh, not that they weren't doing ministry fishing because they were doing ministry fishing but how do you how do you think zebedee felt that day you know he had to have a ton of thoughts going through his mind as his sons <laughs> left him to follow yeah, jesus oh what do you how do you, what do you think he felt
2: Boy, you know in writing the book i thought a lot about that i thought about different ways i could portray this man you know uh, I, and i'm in a similar situation you know i'm you know, you, you kind of guess those those young men were probably in their mid-20s, maybe right. maybe 30. You know, so Zebedee was probably now in his 50s, could have been 60. That's pretty doggone old for, you know, first century, uh, turn-of-the-century Jew back in those days. Hard-working man, um, devout Jew, but that's that's a hard life, and uh you know, so on one hand, you know, the, I think the thing that, that would would have gotten me and I bet would have gotten him the most is, you know, he had a business where his two boys were with him. And and just how cool is that to, to you know, I have some friends who, who are in a family business, you know, and they get to see their, their sons and their their daughter uh, show up every day and take on some responsibility and they get to see them grow, you know, and, and they've worked with their father through the years until he retired. And and it's just such a special relationship. And, and for Zebedee to kind of have that as his long-range plan, you know, that, that where these two boys are going to take over the company and he's going to be able to retire. And and uh, and then that just walks away. To me, that would have been the hardest part of it because he had this, this awesome plan that just, you know, I've used this before. And it's just, you know, Jesus – you know, destroyed his plans, put him out of business, and you know Jesus doesn't do that for just no reason at all. And uh, you know, so that's kind of a powerful deal. I think that would have been the most painful part for Zebedee, just seeing that part of it happen.
0: Now we have got the benefit of hindsight, so obviously Peter played a major role in the uh, in the early church, and John was Jesus' best friend, also played a major role in the early church. I mean, these are two very key guys. Zebedee didn't know that when those guys left. But the impact on his business, how, how hard is it for a business owner to see his two best assets walk out the door? How long do you hold on hoping they'll come back? I mean, have you ever lost what you thought was your most important employee? Oh, absolutely! That's happened to me several times, and, and how do you how do you and, how do you how do you move on? Yeah,
2: and and you know both the times that happened to me, and and I think would be similar to this is they both moved on to something that they that was really a, a heartfelt dream. In fact, one of them's down there in your part of Florida, uh, and he wanted to do coastal engineering design. You know, and you don't get to do that in Kansas. <laughs> <laughs> well, you could, but it wouldn't really do much good. But yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so he finally got the job down there that he wanted, and, and he was a guy I had a lot of plans for, and, and it was just the perfect situation for him. And and I lost him, and I couldn't have been more proud, but it was just incredibly painful. And, and uh, you know, so on one hand, you know, if if they're leaving for those kind of reasons and, and that kind of stuff, you can only be proud and wish them the best, but it it's – It's hard to overcome, but, you you know, one of the things about being a a small business owner is you just never – you just can't write up a job description for the perfect employee and then ever hope to go out and find them.
0: Right. You You have to develop your perfect employees, don't you?
2: Yeah, you do. You find the best you can, and then you, you, you work real hard to mold them into the culture of your company. And then I think also just equally important is you allow them to mold your culture into what they want to be because you know you like to think ultimately it's going to be their it's going to be their company. And so, you know, you can't be so rigid that they have to fit your ways. you gotta, you got to be flexible so that it can ultimately be a combination of the two. And I think that's, you know, I've got over half my company's been with me for over 20 years. And that's mm. one of the things we've really relied on is, is when people come in here, we can kind of work with them.
0: Phil Struble is the president of Land Plan Engineering since 1995 out of Kansas. And it is just an incredible opportunity, Phil. We got to meet this summer in Chicago. You know how could it get any better than that? And <laughs> it I pre- was great. and I and I appreciated you sharing your story and sharing your book because it we there are so there's so many things we can learn from the scripture about uh, practical things about business. And I just loved how you took the story of Zebedee as he's lost his sons and his business partners. And had to figure out, what am I going to do now? It, it was great. A lot of fun this summer. You know, I enjoyed, I enjoyed hearing what,
2: what you guys are doing, and I work for him. I, I just think that's a phenomenal ministry, and I'm just kind of happy I can kind of, you know, complement ministries like yours uh, with just a little bit of maybe insight I got from my part of the business world. Well, I'll talk about that. You know, you've
0: been, uh, how long have you been a Christ follower?
2: well i've been a christ follower um very weak one for a long time but it wasn't until the 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 problems we ran into in 2008 2009 where i really discovered that it needed to go a lot deeper than what i had i had an opportunity there's a there's a group in Kansas City called integrity Resor- integrity resources and you um, started going to their um, you know it' 's it's, uh, workplace ministry and started going to all their events, just thinking, man, I just got to get some some help and some relief and I knew that 's where it would come from, but I just didn 't know how to get it and, and it was groups like yours that really showed me what I needed to have to, to hang on and believe believe in God and that He has a plan for us all.
0: Yeah, you know, most of us would say, well, wow, I don't want to go back through 2008, 2009, 2010. Don't want to do that again. But I will tell you that there, you could talk to a thousand Christ followers and 30% of them will look back to that and go, yeah, but my faith, it doubled down, tripled down, quadrupled down because of how significant that adversity was. It caused me to make better decisions with my money, better decisions with my time. It, it caused me to rely on the Lord for everything. Those were rough years, but they were good years, good faith years. Well, when I, now when I read the Bible about we will suffer trials and we will be <laughs> tested,
2: you know, I have a whole appreciation for, it. yeah, yeah, you know, I mean, I, I, you know, I'm okay with that. You know, bring it on. It can be bad, but I just know where the answers are. I know what I can lean on and, and come out of it knowing that full well it's going to be good.
0: Well, you mentioned Rick Box with Integrity Resource Center. We highlight him. We have his Integrity Resource moment on our show every day. And Rick and Kathy Box are good friends of Martha and I, and they are, we love, we love that ministry. And now that they're going to unconventional business events (laughs) and unconventional business groups, love that ministry. It's, It's one we've highlighted many times, and I work for him. All right, so talk to me about Zebedee. Okay, so Zebedee loses his key workers. He he loses. He's now got to replace people. How I mean, he's got to rethink his entire business plan. I, I mean, how he's going to actually market? How, what can we learn from Zebedee for about marketing?
2: Well, I, I think there's a lot of things we can learn from Zebedee. You know, the 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 marketing aspect of of his business. You know, when anytime you you know you suffer a setback. You know, you, you got to kind of rewrite your business model, and and that's starting over, and that's looking at well, what are my co- you know what are my core products, and what do I sell the best, and what are my strengths, and what are my weaknesses, and and then you build a marketing plan around that, and it's just amazing the the number of things that the Bible has to tell us about that. Uh, you know, one of my favorite you know I'm a big Bible literacy guy. I just I, I love just reading and knowing the whole complexity of the Bible and the stories, not just verses, but the whole stories around them, and just looking at, you know, take a guy like Paul, uh, the Apostle Paul, and, and think in terms of marketing and him he marketed himself so incredibly well. He could go to Mars Hill and talk with anybody, and and yeah, he got he got beat up a bunch, uh, b- but it wasn't because he was it, what he was doing. It was because he was speaking the truth, and the people just frankly didn't want to hear the truth. But he wasn't provoking fights. You know, he went to he would he would speak philosophically with people. He would he would eat the foods that they were eating, and he would you know, act the way they were acting just so he could relate to them and understand them better. And, and just that all by itself is just such a great lesson in how to deal with people. It just always amazes me when I think about him
0: in marketing. It's a great example. Do you think Zebedee was upset with Jesus for stealing his son's Well, you know,
2: you also gotta remember (laughs) Jesus stole his wife too. You know, Simone became a follower of Christ and traveled around and she shows up at a lot of different things that Jesus was at. So, you know, (laughs) Zebedee, you know, had a had a Jesus had a huge impact on his life and he was left alone holding the home and the fort and everything else. Um, could he be upset by what the guy was doing? I, I suppose it's possible. You know, he was a, a Jew, but he was in a, in the company of the Galileans who were kind of all following Christ and excited about what Christ was going to do for them. And, and, yeah, they didn't understand the fact that he wasn't going to build up a military uh, and take over the government until, you know, they didn't figure that out till later. But he kind of had to be excited about, you know, when Jesus talked about what the government, what he was going to do, or or his ideas about the government, and uh, you know, he had to be kind of excited that that, uh, he might not take the Pharisees down a notch or two. That that was kind of good news as well.
0: What, when you look at the story of Zebedee and the calling of his sons, James and John, and the impact on his business, what is the biggest business lesson you have learned from studying that story over and over and over and writing this book, Zebedee and Sons Fishing Company? What, what is the biggest lesson, you ta- your biggest takeaway?
2: I, th- I think my biggest takeaway take with Zebedee is just um, you know, how complete his life was. You know, he had a fishing business. He had his sons. He had other partners. You know, it was a business venture. You know, back in the days when being wealthy meant you had uh, one change of clothes. Uh, it was the definition of wealth in, in that time. You know, so he was he was well off by then. Uh, he suffered a, a huge setback. Uh, the fact that we didn't hear any more of him until probably later when it sort of refers to the fact that he passed away by referring to uh, his boys in kind of a late <laughs> fashion. Um, but, but we didn't hear any more from him, so he just persevered. He, he did, you know, he kind of it, it's like my example of leadership with the, um, with, uh, the writer of Luke. Luke, um, you know, he was the number two guy behind Paul all the time, and, and no complaints. He was happy to be that, and Zebedee was that kind of guy as well, I think. You know, he, he took his lumps. Uh, he he, you know, sold his fish and he just went back to work. He found some more people. Um, probably was frustrated that he might have spent a lot of uh, w- weekends and evenings alone without his boys and his wife.
0: Maybe, um, but. Yeah, but he um, got to go fishing then. He got to go. <laughs> All right, so let me ask this. Let me ask this question. Okay, so if we were to pull one of your employees on uh, on the air, how would they say Phil Struble's fate impacts? land plan engineering how how would they say your faith is impacting what they do each and every day um, boy i hope i'm right but i think i think the two
2: things they see from me um, as i've just continued cuz this is not this book is not an end product this book is just a one step in a process that i'm just seeing myself being led down just continually i'm uh, my the blogs I've started writing just keep revealing more and more to me that just don't stop on this story. But I, I think what they're going to see from me is is first of all some more more compassion, um, not necessarily in in putting up you know with lack of accountability or lack of poor leadership, um, but. Just an understanding of of who they are and what what their needs are and what they want to do. You know, I get more engaged in conversations with people today about their their personal dreams than I than I ever did before. Uh, I think the other one is too is is you know I hold people accountable and I want them to hold me accountable. If I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. If if you say if you agree with me, look me in the eye and agree with me, you're going to do something yeah that means you're going to do it and and if you don't you know the conversations are not going to be very they're they're not going to be a feel good conversation um and and i i've i've fired people because they have a difficulty meeting their obligations
0: mm. So so that's a and, and that's not very popular in today's world. You know those are good lessons. That. Yeah. Those are those are good lessons learned. All right, thirty seconds or less. You've got an MBA and you get a master's in theology. How does having those two masters degree help you live your faith out more effectively at work?
2: It really makes me I, – I can, I can discuss topics more comprehensively. You know, I, I understand um, money issues, but I understand them from a business perspective. I understand them from a financial investing perspective, and I understand them from a biblical perspective. And, and so I, I understand a lot of things more comprehensively, and, and my arguments and my discussions just, just really reflect that. And, and I think it makes for a better decision-making process.
0: Phil Struble, there's so much more we could dig out of this story, but I want to encourage people to get your book, Zebedee & Sons Fishing Company. They can get it online at com. Phil Struble, thanks for being on iWork for him today. Thanks a lot, Jim. I appreciate it. That uh, was great. Thank you very much. All right, check out Phil Struble online, SonsFishingCo.com. This is a great story. You need to learn from it. You've been listening to I Work For Him with your host, Jim Brangenberg. I'm a Christ follower. My workplace, it's my mission field. I'm learning so much about that. But ultimately, I work for him.